Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Neil McGeever. Praise the Lord. You know, it's always fun and... It really strengthens my frame and encourages me and gets me really excited when uh, the scriptures and the things and everything that God's put on my heart to, to bring to you in a sermon this morning have um, already started to be talked about <laughs> throughout the service. So that's just a real blessing, an absolute blessing. Amen. Amen. Um, just one thing to add to uh, what Pastor Gwen said when she first got up at the very beginning of service is that um, Jesus said to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Again, he said that before he went to the cross. Doesn't say that it has to be a Christian that you lay your hands on and they shall recover. It says lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's a promise. It's a declaration. It's a decree, it's, um, yeah, it's his will. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'm going to be continuing on from what I talked about last time. So that was back at the beginning of February. And if you remember, shifting sand, yes. I was talking about being planted on the rock of Jesus, and that how we spend, we can spend time digging up the sand around us and pouring it onto our rocks so that all of a sudden we, we, we get on slippery ground. Um, if, you, if you've ever been on a, a, a rock, say you're walking on the beach and there's that, just that little bit of sand on that rock, it makes that rock, which would normally be quite stable, very slippery. So if... if um, we're not a, we can sometimes not be aware of it, and we're, we're digging that sand up, and we're putting it on that rock, and so we're making our ground a bit slippery. So God's put on my heart just to bring some, some things to you that can be putting that sand on there. And um, <laughs> who remembers the TV show Mythbusters? Anybody remember that show? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. They basically, they took... I don't know, old wives' tales, things that happened in movies and a whole bunch of different stuff, um, theories, and went and tested them to see if they were actually true under the, cur- the, the conditions in, say, the movie or, and stuff like that, and they, they tested them to see if they were true, and, and they either um, um, the myth was busted or it was confirmed. And then if they busted the myth, then they tried to figure out exactly what it was that needed to blow up that ship on, in the movie and, and, you know, and stuff like that. Anyways... Um, so we're going to be doing some Christian myth-busting this morning. <laughs> Amen? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, Lord, that you thread your, 
your sermon, you thread your ideas, you thread your purpose all the way through this entire service, Lord. I thank you for that. That is just so exciting, Lord. I give you glory and honor for that. I praise your name. I pray, Lord, that the only words that come out of my mouth are the words that you want to come out, Lord, that they come up from my spirit, man, and they come out and they bless each and every person here, Lord. They touch their hearts where they are, Lord, and they help them to step forward in you in the name of Jesus, that I am your microphone, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the Bible calls these ideas that are not necessarily of God, that they're, they're made up or thought up or they're used as an excuse or uh, an explanation where somebody doesn't necessarily understand what's going on. They call them traditions of men. That's what the Lord calls them, traditions of men. So let's turn to Mark 7. I'm going to be reading from the Amplified. Mark. Mark is right after Matthew in the New Testament. Mark 7. Yes, I can get there. And we're going to be looking at verse 8. We're starting in verse 8. Mark 7, verse 8. It says, You disregard and give up and ask to depart from you the commandments of God and cling to the traditions of men, keeping it carefully and faithfully. Notice that it says that you ask to depart from the commandments of God. Interesting. We, we don't want to be asking to depart from the commandments of God. We want, to, we want to be holding on to them and pursuing them, pursuing the word of God in our lives. The exact opposite of what it's saying here. Verse 9, and he said to them, you, that's Jesus, he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting, the thwarting and nullifying and doing away with the commandments of God in order to keep your tradition your own human regulations. Okay? Verse 10. For Moses said, Honor, revere with tenderness of feeling and def deference your father and your mother, and he who curses or reviles or speaks evil or of or abuses or treats improperly his father or mother, let him surely die. Verse 11. But... As for you, you say, a man is exempt if he tells his father or his mother what, would, what you would otherwise have gained from me, everything I have that I would have been of use to you, is Corbin. And so that word Corbin, Corbin is a consecrated present that they would be giving to the temple fund. That's, what, that's exactly what that word means. It's basically an offering to the temple at that time, the Jewish temple, okay? So what he's saying here is that they're taking something that they would bless their parents with, and instead they're giving it to the temple and saying, that's okay, I don't, now I don't have to bless and honor my parents because I've done something that I see as more honoring giving it to the temple when it was supposed to 
go to the parents, to honor the parents. You with me? So this is just an example of traditions of men, how things have been distorted. That is, is a gift already given as an offering to God. Then you no longer are permitting him to do anything for his father or mother, but are letting him off from helping them. Thus you are nullifying and making void and of no effect the authority of the word of God through your tradition, which you in turn hand on, and many things of this kind you are doing. So this is Jesus talking to the Pharisees here, and he's giving that as an example of what a tradition of men is. So it's something that's not based in the word of God, quite simply. Something that is not based in the word of God, it, it tries to make itself better than the word of God. But we know that there is nothing better than the word of God. There is nothing more strong and powerful than the word of God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, now let's flip over to Colossians 2, verse 8. Colossians 2, it's just after Philippians. And we're looking in verse 8. See to it that no one carries you off as a spoil. That word spoil means um, that you're, um, you're being taken off on a different direction as, as a, um, a trophy or, or a um, plunder from a, a, uh, like a, a battle or something like that. You've won the battle and you're taking them off. You're taking them off a path, basically. See to it that no one carries you off as a spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, which is idle fancies and plain nonsense. <laughs> plain nonsense. Vain deceit is plain nonsense. It's just, it sounds like my parents speaking. That is just plain nonsense, Neil. <laughs> <laughs> following human tradition, which is men's idea of the material rather than the spiritual world. So this is Colossians 2, verse 8. And that's a definition of, of following human tradition. Men's idea of the material rather than the spiritual world. Just crude notions following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. So you're getting a picture of a tradition of men. It's basically taking you right off the path that God has for you, right? His word, it says in Psalms that his word is a, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We need the word of God in our lives. Yeah. Every day of our lives, we need the word of God in our lives because we can so easily be taken off that path. You've heard me describe this before, but when a ship gets underway, it has a course that it has to take. 
and it has, it has bearings and plottings, and it maps it out on a, what's called a chart. So a, a nautical map or a map for the sea is called a chart. And so they, 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 um, they, they map out their course on this chart. And the, along the way, they take bearings to make sure that they're still on their path. But if they start out and they take a wrong bearing, and they're just one degree off of what their path is supposed to be, as they go down the road, as they go down their, their course, all of a sudden, they're farther and farther and farther and farther away from where they actually should be, or right here in my right hand. They're out here. But if you've got the word of God in your life, and you're spending time in that, that's like those bearings in our life that we can take and we can keep make sure that we're back on our course. And then we can make those corrections where if we're one degree off here, it's a really small correction just to get back on that, that path. Amen? Amen. So we're going to go through a couple of these ideas that the world and even some Christians, some denominations believe is an okay thing. Okay, and we're going to go into the word of God. There's <laughs> Everybody know that this is the sword, the sword of the word, right? Yeah. Right? It is the one offensive weapon that we have yeah. in the armor of God. So we're going to be using it a lot today. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. So the first one, strife is normal. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> strife is normal. So, it's normal to have some conflict in your life. That's what this is saying. This is, this is a tradition of men is what I'm talking about right now. It's normal to have some conflict in your life. A lot of people say that a healthy marriage should have some conflict in it. That's what I, I'm. That is the truth. That's what they say. That's what there we go. That is what men say. That it's healthy to have um, some strife in your marriage. That it's healthy for siblings, especially boys. They should just they should be fighting, because they're boys. It's normal to have some conflict at work with your coworkers. These are things that people say. Right. Right. They think it's normal. Christians say this. They think it's normal. Let's turn to James verse, or chapter 3. James chapter 3. James is almost at the end of the Bible. James chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 16. Yeah. James chapter 3, verse 16. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Let me read that again in case you missed it. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. When you're in strife, it brings confusion. Brings confusion to you, brings confusion to, to the situation, brings confusion to the, the other person that's in the situation. It does every evil work. 
Notice there's no good in this sentence here. No good whatsoever. Confusion, evil work. That's about it. That's there. Proverbs 28, verse 25. Proverbs, let's turn there. Proverbs 28, verse 25. Proverbs 28, verse uh, 25. He that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. <laughs> that word fat does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> <laughs> the word fat the word fat in Hebrew means a, the root word of that in Hebrew means abundance to be satisfied so we can replace that he that is of a proud heart stirreth up strife but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be satisfied shall live in abundance Notice the difference here. So a proud heart. <laughs> a proud heart. What does a proud heart look like? What's that? It's about me. What did you say, Abigail? One that hasn't cast its cares on God. A proud heart is a heart that hasn't cast its cares on God. Hasn't given trust over to God. You're prideful because you think you can do better than God. Look at me. I can do better than God. But that is just not the truth because it brings strife. Because you're in a situation and you think you're better than God and know better what to do in this situation. And so you're having a conversation with somebody and it's only going to bring strife because you have to be right. Otherwise, you're wrong and you are um, now without fa any foundation. You just dug a whole bunch of sand and put it on your foundation. Right? Mm. You don't trust God to deal with the situation if you've got pr a proud heart in you. So the question is, do we believe God to the point where we can walk away from conflict knowing God will take care of it. Let me say that again. Do we believe God to the point where we can walk away from conflict knowing that God will take care of it? Even when you are correct, you're standing on the word of God in a situation and somebody is butting up against you and, and wanting to get into it with you, to have a fight with you about this situation, even when you know you were right, and you take that step into strife, 
you instantly become wrong. Right? Let's go back to the very first verse, James 3.16. For where envy and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. So even if I am right in my stance and what I believe and what I'm bringing to this conversation and the other person wants to bring conflict and strife into this, if I engage, I now null and void the word of God and I bring every evil work. Nasty business, that's right. Even when we're right, we need to step back from those situations because God is so much greater than us to deal with that person, to deal with that situation. We can walk away from that strife. We don't... Have you ever tried to have an argument with someone who won't engage? In the argument? It doesn't go anywhere. You just get frustrated and the other person's sitting there smiling at you. Right? And it goes nowhere because there's nothing to latch on to. In an argument, you need two parts and they need to latch into each other and get into it, right? But if you can disengage from that and walk away from the strife, it'll fizzle out. It'll fizzle out because there's, there's in a fire, you need three elements. You need heat, you need um, uh, fuel, and you need air. So if you take one of those, one of those things out of, out of the, that, um, that equation, you will not get fire. So in a conflict, if you take out the strife and you allow God's love, the strife goes because there's no fuel. See that? Hallelujah. See, we can bring joy and we can bring peace to those situations because that's what's on the inside of us. If we're born again, if we're living our life for Christ we have on the inside of us joy and peace. It's a fruit of the Spirit. The moment you give your life to Christ, you have it in there. You have the fruit of the Spirit in there. All you have to do is say, yes, Lord, and allow it to come out. And it diffuses the situation. You walk away from envying and strife, and you settle the situation. And then God brings a solution. And everybody's fine. Amen. Hallelujah. John 15, 11 says that these things have I spoken to you. That's John 15, 11. That my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. That's Jesus speaking there. His joy remains in us and it makes us full so that we can pass it on to somebody else. Nehemiah 8.10 says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That gives us strength in a situation, strength to walk away and not take the bait of engaging in the strife. It is our strength.
There's some people that think that the joy that I walk around with in my life is just put on a fake. But it's not, because it's not of this world. It's not based on the circumstances that are around me or I'm experiencing, because it comes up from within me, because that's where it resides, on the inside of me. Amen? We always have it. Always. It never leaves us. It never goes away. So we always have it. We can always tap into it, for lack of a better term. And our tapping into it is just yielding to it. Lord, I thank you that that joy is on the inside of me that is my strength, that makes me full, Lord. I thank you that it overflows in this situation. Oh, hallelujah. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Let's go to Philippians 4. We're going to look at verses 4 to 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Amen. Let your moderation be known unto all men. (laughs) That word moderation... (laughs) <laughs> it's it means patience uh it means gentleness <laughs> amen so let your patience and your gentleness be known to all men the lord is at hand be careful for nothing that word careful means anxious so don't be anxious about anything be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So, let's put this into our situation. We're in that conflict. Somebody's wanting to have an argument with us. So, we're praying under our breath, Lord, we have the situation. I thank you that you already have the solution. You already have the solution on the inside of me, and I thank you, Lord, that it's coming out. It says here, and the, um, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, Lord, thank you that you have that situation, and supplication with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you that it's already on the inside of me, Lord. I thank you for the solution to this problem right now. That's putting your trust in God, not having a prideful heart. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, I haven't done this in a while, but I think we need to do this again. So, <laughs> that verse where it talks about the peace of God there, the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. That little word keep, which is just a normal word in our English language, in the Greek, it talks about a garrison. 
it talks about a garrison. So, garrison is a military term. Okay? A garrison is a, for a military fortress, basically, that is at the ready to defend and to battle 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They are always armed and always ready. There is never any downtime. So, this is saying, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall form a garrison around your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Okay, so we're going to have a little uh, word picture or a, a, a demonstration of exactly what that looks like. So, Alex, um, Denny, um, Abigail and Bethany, if you could all come up, please. Alex, uh, do you want to move the podium over to the side? Okay. So, the four of you are going to be on each side of me facing outward. Okay? Everybody pick a side. No, no, come up close. So one right here, one right in front of me, one to the side of me. No, up over here, right there. So almost like you're touching me. Okay, so this is what a garrison looks like spiritually. These are all angels. Now hold, um, make a stance like you're holding a weapon. Okay. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> so, when I put my trust in God and I come to him with a thankful heart, with my prayers and my petitions, this is what happens spiritually. It protects my mind and my heart and gives me peace so that everywhere I go, okay, I'm going to move towards Pastor Ann. Everybody move towards Pastor Ann. As I'm, no, you need to move towards Pastor Ann. <laughs> so as I'm moving towards Pastor Ann, they stick around me like this, and then we move over towards Pastor Gwen. And, sorry, and so they're always around me protecting my heart and my mind from any attacks of the enemy. Everybody getting this? This happens 24-7, never stands down. If we come to God with a thankful heart, with our prayers and our petitions, we are always guarded. He always has a solution. Thank you, everyone. If you could bring the podium back up, please. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That is what God wants for us. When we make that choice to step away from strife and we put our trust in him and we give him the thanksgiving, he puts that garrison around us. He gives us the answers to the, solu to the problem. He gives us everything that we need and protects us in the meantime from any onslaught of the devil because he's not happy that we're following God and we're on our path. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Okay, let's move on. Who completes me? Who completes me? John, if you want to bring up. Everybody watch. Everybody watch this. This is a famous scene from a movie, a very iconic scene from a movie. You complete me. And I just has shut up. You complete me. <laughs> Honey, you complete me. Okay, let's get something straight here. Your spouse does not complete you. Amen. Your parents do not complete you. Your children do not complete you. <laughs> Apparently, that's very funny to mommy. <laughs> Your job does not complete you. Your school does not complete you. Your ministry does not complete you. Your boss does not complete you. Your friends do not complete you. You see, all of these things, and I'm sure the list is a lot longer, none of them complete you. Why don't they complete you? Because they're always changing. They're never the same. You may get a different reaction next week than you did this week from them in the same situation. They do not complete you because they cannot be consistent. They cannot be that rock like Jesus can be that rock. So if you're putting in all of these different situations, your spouse, parents, children, job, ministry, all of these, you're putting them in the wrong situation. You're putting them in the place of Jesus you're taking that sand and you're putting it back on your rock. You're taking that sand and you're putting it back on that rock because you're putting them in the place of Jesus in your life and what he did on the cross for you. Only Jesus and a relationship with him completes us. Nothing else, nothing else Nothing else can complete us. Turn to Ephesians 2, 4 to 6. If you're in Philippians, it's just the book right before. Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 6. These are what Je- the, the next bunch of scriptures that we're going to read, and there's a bunch of them, gives us a definition of who we are in Christ. Okay? So in this context, we're just, that's what we're looking at. Who we are in Christ. Who completes me? We are completed in Christ because of what these scriptures say that he's done in our life. 
Everybody with me? Okay, so Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 6. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Even when we were dead to sins, he has quickened us together. He's brought us together with himself. He wants to be in a relationship with you. He wants to be the one that completes you and fills you up and gives you that purpose in your life. With me? Okay, Romans 8, verse 2. Romans 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. We are free from the law of sin and death, which is the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the the laws of Moses. Because it says, the Bible says that Jesus, in Jesus, is the completion of the law. He fulfilled the law. And so he is in us. So the law, in its perfection, is on the inside of us. And he works through us. So it has no effect on us anymore. We live in spirit and truth. The law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Bible also says that Jesus set us free for freedom's sake so that we can walk free. We are free in him. That's what completes us. Not people or ministry or situations. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that we may instruct him? Basically, that saying is, if you think that you know the mind of God and then can instruct God in the way that he should be doing things, you might want to give your head a shake. (laughs) That's in your own mind here. Okay? But it says, we, the next part of this verse says, but we have the mind of Christ. It doesn't replace our mind up here. It's the mind of Christ here in our spirit man. The fullness of Jesus Christ lives on the inside of us. The New Testament says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, that is where he resides. And so the fullness of Jesus Christ is on the inside of us. So we have his mind on the inside of us. So if we want to tap into that mind, we just have to ask him. See how it completes us? 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. Ye are, of, yeah, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, demons, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's referring to Satan, who's in the world. So greater is Jesus on the inside of us than Satan who roams around this world and tries to give us havoc and um, circumstances and frustrations and everything like that. We have a greater power and authority on the inside of us. Amen? Mm -hmm. Philippians 4.13 
I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. All things. All in the Greek means? All. There we go. All in the Greek means all. I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. All things. So he's put it on your heart to do, and you have like, Lord, I don't know how to do this. You can tell yourself, no, if God's put it on my heart to do this, then he's put in me what I need to do, what I need to do this. It completes me, gives me the fullness of Jesus, gives me the fullness of the purpose that he has for me on this earth to walk with him and to do what he wants me to do. Romans 8, verses 16 to 17. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Because you've given your life to Christ, you're now his brother. And because you're his brother, you're a joint heir to the inheritance that God has for us. We are a joint heir. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For he, God the Father, hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, Jesus. We're made righteous, in, and that word righteous means in right standing. So we're in right standing. We are in the right place. We are um, where we're supposed to be because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for God the Father has made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. He knew no sin when he was on this earth. He did not sin. He, worked perf- he walked perfectly on this earth without any sin in him. He did no sin. And because of that, that is why he is able to go to the cross and take our sin and create the covenant that we are able to walk in today. <laughs> Glory be to God. Glory be to God that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We have right standing with God. We have a right place with God now because of what Jesus did. That is a completion on the inside of us that nobody can take away. Nobody in that list or no situation in that list can take away the right standing that we have with God because it wasn't us that did it. It was Jesus that did it. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So a lot of people think, again, this is another myth busting, a lot of people think that you, through this process, you get rebuilt or remanufactured, or repaired. 
That's not the truth. The truth is that that old person dies completely, does not exist anymore. And then because of what Jesus has done on the cross, we become alive to God. We are that new creation where that old person, those old things that you've done, those old things that you've thought don't exist anymore because God is on the inside of you. Now, Satan may try to put those thoughts in your ears that, oh yeah, you're still that same person, look at what you, but that's not the truth. That is a lie. Regardless of what you just did, your soul and your flesh need to come into line what's happened in your spirit, man, so you can just tell them, no, I'm not that person anymore. I am a new creation. That old person does not exist anymore, does not have any relevance to me anymore. The Old Testament says that the Lord threw our sins as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. Who here remembers the story of Gideon in the Old Testament? You've heard of the story of Gideon in the Old Testament. God spoke to the person that he saw in Gideon when he spoke to him. Gideon's idea of himself was that he was of the least tribe, and my family is the least family in that tribe, and I am the least person in that family that's in the least tribe of the Israelites. That was his thought of himself. But God spoke to him, mighty man of valor. I've got something for you to do. You're a mighty man of valor. That's how God speaks to us now. Because he doesn't see that old person anymore. He sees us through Jesus Christ and what he's done on the inside of us. That completion of a work that is done on the inside of us. See, Jesus is that rock. He's that chief cornerstone. He is something that is solid and um, stationary and never changing that we can rely on every day of our life. He will have, you will get the same reaction from him next week as you did this week. You will get the same reaction from him three years from now as you did three years ago. No. He can be relied on always, always. In Hebrews 13.8, write this down and let's go there. Hebrews 13.8, I want you to see this with your own eyes. I'm not just making stuff up here. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's why we can put our trust in him. He is that firm foundation, that solid rock. He's the one that pulled our feet out of the miry clay and set them on a rock and put a new song in our heart. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. Oh, hallelujah. 
the things, the jobs, the people, the ministry can't profess these same things that Jesus can. We can't put our trust in them. We can't. They do not complete us at all. They may bless us, but that's something completely different. Our trust needs to be in the Lord because he is the one who completes us. He is the one who completes us. Okay, moving on. Everybody get that? Who is Jesus? There we go. Let's try it again. Who is Jesus? The one who completes us. Amen. Okay, so who did that? Who did that? Who brought about the coronavirus? Who's brought about sickness? Who's brought about Bad things happening to good people. <laughs> I believe it was Oral Roberts that started saying this phrase and got a lot of flack for it. God is a good God. Am I right? It was Oral Roberts? Oral Roberts, he's a great healing evangelist that was um, an amazing man of God. God is a good God. Period. God is a good God. So, a short lesson on the authority over God's creation here, okay? So, in Genesis, God creates the world, and he gives authority and dominion to Adam and Eve, or to man, okay? He gives authority. It says it in Genesis 1 there. Um, it talks about I give you authority and dominion. Go and, and take dominion over everything in the sea, the birds of the air, the animals of the field, and, and the crops and everything, and go forth and multiply. That's what he says there. Then what happened is they sinned, right? They went and ate of the apple. They got deceived by, by the serpent, Satan. And in that process, they gave authority and dominion over this world to Satan. They had it, right? Because God had given it to them by his words. He does everything by words. He speaks a word and it shall be. And so he gave dominion and authority to Adam and Eve or mankind. And then mankind, through sinning and choosing to look somewhere else other than to God as their source and as their completion, gave that authority over to Satan. Now, Fast forward to Jesus and the new covenant. God sends Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. He sent us for two reasons. He sent Jesus for two reasons. To bring us back into relationship with God. Because God made Adam and Eve in the beginning to have relationship with him because he wanted to have relationship. He wanted to have someone to have relationship with. So Jesus came to bring us back into that proper relationship that God wanted with us. Everybody with me? The other thing he did was to give us back the authority that God had originally given us in the Garden of Eden. To give us back that authority and dominion over the world. 
Satan hasn't left this world yet. He will. He's got a really bad ending. <laughs> really bad ending. Satan's still trying to deceive you and to destroy your life and everything like that. But God, through Jesus, God our Father, through Jesus, has given us back that authority. And so if we've given our life to him and we've made him that completion on the inside of us and we're not walking in the strife anymore, he, he has given us that authority and dominion back through his words, through the Bible. Remember that at the beginning I said that's our sword? That's the offensive weapon? That's the offensive weapon that we have against the devil is the word of God. He can't stand against it, period. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. He cannot stand against the word of God. When you have the word of God in your heart coming up out of your mouth, Satan has no, has, has no chance whatsoever. Okay. So let's go to John 10, verse 10. The Gospel of John, chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 10. The thief, that's Satan, cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. So in plain English, basically that means that Satan is coming to steal and to kill and destroy. That is his focus, that is his purpose, that is his, is his life's mission. To steal, to kill, and to destroy anything that he can from you. That's what he wants. But there's a second part to this verse. <laughs> Hallelujah. I have come, that's Jesus speaking, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus wants us to live his life and live in abundance. So did, did God bring the coronavirus to teach us something? No. No, he did not. He has come to give us life, and that more abundantly. Satan came to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan uses something like the coronavirus to get people into panic, into fear, and not thinking straight. But we have Jesus. If we have Jesus on the inside of us, we live in life and abundance. We live in the prosperity of Jesus. We live in the peace of Jesus. Remember the garrison? We live in that every day, and we don't have to be worried about anything, let alone the coronavirus. Anything. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to look at verse 11. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If ye then, being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children. So if you, being evil, this is Jesus speaking, and when it talks about being evil, it basically means that you haven't given, you've 
He's talking about the old sinful nature. At this point, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. The new covenant had not happened yet. So he's talking about people living as of the Old Testament and who are inherently evil because they are dead to God, right? Everybody with me with that? Okay. So if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? So if we, as parents, as siblings, as friends... Um, as children, give good gifts to other people. That's our desire, our heart, to give good gifts. How much more is God our Father, who is the pureness of good? He is the pureness of love. He is, there is no um, taintedness in him. There is, you don't, he doesn't have to be refined to get the gold out from the other metals that are in it. He is refined to perfection. If he who is refined to perfection with love and joy and peace and he wants to have that relationship with us, how much more is he going to pour out good gifts on us, to bless us in our lives, to give us those, those um, things in those circumstances, those answers in those situations, the healing that we need, the provision that we need to do what he wants us to do, the joy mm, to dispel strife. He's going to give us all of those things. He has. It isn't going to, actually. He has given us those things. We already have them because we have Jesus Christ on the inside of us. Jeremiah 29, 11. This is basically God speaking. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. He doesn't want to teach you anything through evil. He does not use the devil to teach you anything. God does not use the devil to teach us anything whatsoever. End of sentence, period, stop conversation. That is just the truth. To give you an expected end. That basically means he wants to bless you. He has a purpose for you. He has a meaning for your life. There's a joy he wants to bring to you. There's something that he wants you to do in your life that is going to bring you a purpose and a joy that this world cannot give you at all, whatsoever. And finally, John 3.16. Everybody probably knows this, but we need to read it because it is the truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Try to think about what God did. His son that he loved. Think about your children or someone, a niece or a nephew that you hold dear or a spouse. Someone that is so dear to you in your life. And you know that if you, you take them and you give them as a sacrifice and it's going to change the course of the world. The love for the people in that act is almost unsurmountable in our brains. We, we can't really fathom that. Can you fathom sacrificing one of your children or a, a spouse or just think about it seriously think about it can you fathom doing that someone you love so dearly but he did he gave his son as an offering so that we can have life so that we can be complete in him so that we can have purpose in him so that we don't have to walk in strife we don't have to walk according to the traditions of men anymore but we can walk in the fullness of Jesus Christ in the old testament only the high priest after a whole bunch of sac- um religious um pomp and circumstance of getting himself clean was able to go once a year into the Holy of Holies where, G- where God um, lived on the inside of the temple. That's the inner core of the temple, the most holy, holy place. And they still tied a rope around their ankle in case they forgot something and he was not holy and he died in there because he was in the presence of God and had to pull him out. You see, what Jesus did was take away that need for an intermediary between us and God. He took away the need for all the religious ceremony for us to have a conversation with God. Because of what Jesus did, you see, God gave him as that sacrifice and he, he chose to do it and he went to the cross. And the first thing that happened on the cross when he died on the cross was the veil that was in front of that Holy of Holies, the very holy sanctuary in the temple, it tore, from, not from the bottom to the top, so man could do it, but it tore from the top to the bottom. Because access for us was forever granted into the presence of God. His completeness, we have access to His completeness forever. We have access to his peace and his joy and his love and his mercy and his grace forever because of what Jesus did. So let's walk in that. It was a great sacrifice. Let's walk in it.
everybody to close your Bibles, stand up, and just close your eyes for a minute. So if you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know what? I've been living more, I've been living my life more along the lines of the traditions of men than I have the freedom of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross. Or I don't know that I even know Jesus and what he's done for me but there's something stirring in your heart. That you want to know him. You want to know the, the God that was described this morning. You want to know Jesus and his salvation. You want to know the freedom that you can have. But you, you're not sure that you have that fully in your life. You're not sure that you have that at all in your life. Now's the time where you can make a decision to make him Lord of your life and have all of that have that completeness that doesn't come from this world that can't be taken away from you that has that peace and that joy a love that is just unmeasurable and unparalleled in this world an ability to interact with people without any anxiety or frustration or strife We have an opportunity right now. You have an opportunity right now to get yourself right with Jesus and to walk in that freedom, to walk on a path that is lit by him, to get his corrections back onto that path so you can live a life of fullness and joy and perspective that just is unparalleled in this world that can't be taken away by this world or anything of this world. If that's you, if you've given your life to Christ before, but you're not really walking with him, you know that you've been walking more along the traditions of men, or you want to be 100% sure that you've given your life completely to Christ, now's the time. Now's the time. If that's you, I want you to put up your hand. If there's anybody here, I want you to put up your hand. If you're not 100% sure,
Nobody's looking right now. Nobody can see you putting up your hand. I can see you. For those who have put up your hand, you can put them down. If there's anyone else, Here's what we're going to do. For those of you who put up your hand, if you can, I want you to come up to the front. For those of you who wanted to put up your hand but didn't put up your hand, I want you to come up to the front. For those of you who aren't sure if you should put up your hand but think possibly maybe you should have put up your hand, I want you to come up to the front. so good I thank God for the angels that protect us and carry the word of God into our homes to our hearts bringing it into a real status for every person it's not fake it's a real thing and they minister his word to us and they minister covenant that means they serve it to us they bring it and there's times when even though we know we're born again, we know God is good. We, we've, we've tasted some of those things. But we have days when it, we feel like we can't reach it. But they serve it. They bring it. Not because you had the best faith, but because he loves you. Amen. Father, we love you and thank you for loving every one of us. For calling us your dear children. Let us hold you tight in our arms this morning. Ask you to bless every home, every household here. Father, for the prayers that they've had, the prayers they've cried out for answers, God, I thank you. You are the God of answers. That they're receiving answers, receiving comfort and help, and blessing your name in all they do in Jesus' name. Be blessed, people of God. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. 
You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3W 3B1.